This episode of the Upland Nomads podcast is brought to you by Kuga Vest. Kuga Vest is a lightweight and durable dog vest made of 1,000 denier cordura fabric. It is meant to protect the chest, back, side, and underbelly of your dogs from things such as briars, fencing, stubble, and any other type of vegetation or hazards you can run into in the field. Kuga Vest, it's serious protection for the active canine. Check them out at kugavest.com. That is C-U-G-A-Vest.com. This episode is also brought to you by Fit and Fetch MD. Fit and Fetch MD uses the benefits of CBD for your dogs. It can help prevent arthritis. It can reduce the severity and risk of seizures. It reduces anxiety. It can increase their appetite. And it can also help your dogs fight against cancer. And for right now, there is a special code for our listeners that you can use on the Fit and Fetch MD website to get 10% off of your order. That would be the code UPLAND10. Check them out at fitandfetchmd.com. You are now listening to the Upland Nomads podcast. Sit back and join us on our adventure. and welcome back to another episode of the Upland Nomads podcast. I'm Mike and I'm joined here again by Wyatt. I want to start off by thanking everybody for following along with us, whether it be listening to the podcast, following us on Instagram, or doing both. It truly means a lot to the both of us. Today we are joined by a very special guest. That guest is Chris Majette, also known as the Hunting Traveler. So Chris, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and to us? Yeah, uh, name is Chris Majette. Um, yeah, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. You know, like I told you before we got on, talked to Chris Ingram, and he had some good stuff to say about you guys. So, uh, like I said, appreciate you guys bringing me on. I well, appreciate you coming on. At least he had some good things to say about us. That was a good podcast, man. He, um, he's he got a lot of good info. Um, I, I like I said, I bother him probably at least once or twice a week and pick his brain about uh, you know, editing and writing and stuff. So, um it was pretty, it was a good podcast. I, I enjoyed listening to that one. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a different, uh, different direction, I guess, because talk different hunting than what we're usually used to talking about fly fishing. And Chris's big hobby is photography. So that was really fun to see or talk about yeah. and hear about from him. It, it's, it's funny when you start, like, at least myself, you know, when I start talking to those guys that are really good at photography or just really good whatever craft they're in you know there's that deeper level that you know as far as how they see the picture and how they see the setting you know um, a lot of them are looking for that shot and then they can edit the colors to look a certain way that they want it's not you know for me when I'm taking pictures I want the lighting to be right and then I realize no get the shot and then you can edit the lighting to how you want and you know that's something I've had to kind of get better at still a big work in progress but working on it yeah so yeah my my cell phone takes all my pictures and yep, same same shit it ain't very good so i'm, I'm still rocking <laughs> the iphone 10 so i'm like three or four behind <laughs> well my phone was barely working nowadays so but <laughs> so chris you want to tell us about yourself um yeah so <clears throat> pretty much raised in virginia uh, i was a navy brat um i'm a i'm a consultant um so i work with a lot of different businesses as far as you know, sales processes, budgeting, marketing. Yeah, so I travel for work. I know we'll probably talk about that later on, but lifelong yeah. waterfowl hunter, kind of recent in the upland game. 
that's pretty much my only hobbies really hunting with the bird dogs and getting into writing which obviously we're going to talk about a little bit but uh yeah i was just gonna say i say you recently must have taken i don't know how recently you've taken up outdoor writing but i've had a chance to read a couple of your blog as it blogs or whatever you yeah i got a couple there's like short pieces yeah a couple blogs um the the writer gene hill um he wrote a lot of what you would call like a yarn like a short story essentially yeah um and you know not that i would ever you know compare myself to him but he's one of my favorite writers um because he, he talks about you know how awesome it is being out there and really focuses on the dogs a lot but also there's a lot of humor in his stories too really? and uh yeah if you ever get a chance to pick up any of his books or his stories gene hill's probably one of the, one of my favorite yeah i only got into it um i guess really about a year ago um really? kind of by accident kind of had a few woodfords on the flight and started typing a story away and that's kind of kind of how it started you seem to spend plenty of time on the plane or in an airport yes yes that's uh it, it kind of makes me sad when i think about all the time wasted sitting in the airport or driving from one state to the other one i drove from detroit to wisconsin sunday night because i got my flight got canceled in detroit uh then i flew or drove from wisconsin to indiana last night and then i'll probably drive home from Indiana to Virginia on Friday and just say, screw the flight and just drive. It's all rental cars. So, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's their miles. So the only time I'm mm-hmm. driving my truck is if I'm going to do a hunting trip with my work trips and put them okay. together. So we'll probably talk about that here mm-hmm. a little later. What's something that you like about, uh, or I guess interests you the most about this outdoor writing that you do? I guess, it's, you know, I, I, you get enjoyment out of writing it, it's it's a hell of a lot harder than i thought it was going to be i guess i i'm still trying to get a lot better at thinking of the angles of the stories right so um whether it's chris or um edgar castillo um, he's hunt birds on instagram or rob moore uh, matt soberg some of those guys like you know a lot of them can look at a even just like an hour of a hunt and find two three good stories out of it and really? so ever since I started writing now, I'm, I guess I'm paying more attention to what's going on during the hunt. Like if I'm watching my dog or if I'm watching the birds, like I can start, I guess, appreciate it more. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm getting more out of that. So I do enjoy that. But um, I think also sometimes we as hunters focus way too much on you know the tailgate pictures and the limits. And right. we all enjoy going out in the duck line. I mean, I'm from Virginia. So if we limit, that's, you know, a one or two time a year occurrence. Like we don't, where I hunt, it's all sea ducks and diver ducks. Um, okay. And I mean, we could, we can limit on sea ducks, but they're dumb as a box of rocks anyways. They, and they come to, they come to black milk jugs that are painted up. Like they're not, they're, they're not smart. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just enjoy the hunt more, but also, you know, just making people laugh. I mean, there's certain things that happen in a duck blind or that happen in the field that no matter if the story was told and same thing, if you're reading a Gene Hill book, or a Nash Buckingham book from the twenties, their stories are just as applicable to us today. Like us falling, getting water in our waders or finding a hole right in the crotch in the waders. Like it always happens, but that stuff happened, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And their stories are just as funny as they are to me as they are yeah. now. So I was reading your one uh, story. Was it Nip- pra- Nimrod's guide to packing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I Nim- say you made me laugh with your, well, I think it was the first one. Don't forget the dog. So that was, um, 
that's kind of what, what actually first got me into writing was the Boykin Spaniel Society has their own ma- magazine and yeah. um, started talking to Don who you know, makes it and is in charge of it, all that. And so now I do quarterly um, article for them when the magazine comes out. And so I pitched for the idea and I said, well, what about like, you know, kind of funny packing list. And she said, sure, that'd be a great idea. You know, cause I go on a lot of hunting trips. I think I sent her the list or maybe at some point in conversation, she, she said, make sure you put, don't forget the dog. I was like, like, come on, I'm not gonna forget the dog. And she was like, Chris, you'd be surprised at how many times I hear people are so excited for a trip. They roll out and then 10 minutes down the road, like, Oh damn, we forgot the dog at home. And they got to turn around and come back. I'm like, all right, you know, I can see that. So, um, you know, it's just stuff like that. I mean, how many times, how many times have you heard of a guy leaving a shotgun in the field and ran it over or something like that? Like it happens all the time. Is there ever times when you're out in the field, like you said, how you think, oh, that'd make a good story and you have to take out a pen and paper to make sure oh, I can't forget this story? <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought about doing that. Um, so like my dad and I, we went down to um, South Carolina a couple weekends ago. You know, that. Wild, yeah, wild quail season's out. And so you know, my dad and I went down to hunt a preserve and um, that was my goal was to take pictures and, you know, kind of focus on the hunt. Yeah, that didn't happen. As soon as we got out in the field, I was you know, shooting birds with dad and just kind of forgot yeah. about it. So, yeah, I, I have thought of what I will do now is I'll take out my phone and I'll write like two words or three, you know, maybe a sentence of what I was thinking. And then I'll you know, later on, typically after I have a few drinks and get my writing juices flowing, then I'll, I'll look at my notes and be like, all right, you know, where was I going with this? But uh, I think I'm more... I guess I'm, I'm paying attention to what's going on during the hunt rather than just being, you know, going with the flow. I'm actually really focusing in on, if that makes sense, I guess, really watching the dog, um, you know, just paying attention, just, I guess, really living in the moment rather than just kind of being there, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Looks like, looks like your dad slept quite a bit on that trip down to South oh, Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, I got it from him too. I, I can, I'm a master at sleeping and well, I'm the protege compared to him. He, he can sleep anywhere, anytime, any moment. Um, so actually on my Facebook, there is a album of just him sleeping in random places <laughs> and he doesn't have a health condition. He just does it. And um, yeah, I think I have probably 250, 300 pictures of him. Um, oh geez. And that started, that's a- I mean, that's, that probably started in the duck blind when I was, 13 maybe um he fell asleep in the duck blind and i still had old, one of those old like digital cameras that were like you know five megapixels or something like that yeah. and it was my buddy and i said hey man start recording me and i wish i could find it because i acted like i was steve Irwin. And i was talking in an australian accent and i started <laughs> describing my dad like he was like you know this creature that was you know uh, hibernating and uh it just kind of blew up from there um but you know he, he puts up with it and i think he he somewhat enjoys it secretly but, you know, I mean, that that's part of the tunts too, just, you know, dad yeah. sleep and, you know, it's kind of roles reversed also. I remember, again, when I was 10, 12, going to hunt with dad and his old, he drives nothing still to this day, except the old Jeep Grand Wagoneers, the Woodies. Oh, really? I think the one he drives right now is maybe a 90, maybe 92 or like an 87. Um, he's had 13 of them. Um, oh, jeez. And, and he buys like these two thousand dollar 1989 grand wagoneers i'm like dad like you, you make decent money you could buy a regular vehicle and he loves them but i remember being 10 years old riding those things going to the hunt 
listen to AM radio. We didn't have, uh, he had floorboards, but he didn't have any carpet on them. Um, so we ran the heat, the metal just got, you know, stupid hot. Things were tanks. He had one that didn't have power steering, yeah, all that stuff. And, you know, I would always sleep. And now the roles are kind of reversed. As soon as we get in that truck, he's asleep and, you know, I'm taking him places. So, um, you, you got to take advantage they, of the time. Yeah. Uh, but you tell them that they came out with a new Wagoneer. I did. So I literally, uh, <laughs> when I found out about it, I sent him pictures of it. And the response I got was, that's not my Jeep Grand Wagoneer. I said, no, no, <laughs> this one's $110,000, I think is what it starts at. Yeah, yeah, probably. It looks just like a person's Denali or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's a Jeep. So, yeah, they're trying to compete with the Cadillacs with that. So, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, he, he does get his naps in, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's just always fun. There's always something. I mean, and that's the thing that I've tried to learn from the other guys is just, you know, other people enjoy those stories and other people can relate to those stories. I think that's the key is just finding things that, you know, you know, if I wrote a story and you guys read it, you guys would then immediately think to a hunt that you had where something like that happened and you just get enjoyment out of it, you know, it makes us laugh. I mean, some of the best moments we've had on the field, you know, we always say it, but it's not when you limit it out in five minutes, it's when something crazy happened. I mean, don't get me wrong, limit out in five minutes is fun, but that's not typically always the stories that we tell. So, yeah, uh, I mean, all that's on the website. Um, I, I've posted the links to the different stories and stuff. So um, trying to add more. I have two more I have to edit, resubmit those, and then I'm finishing a, a review of one of the places that I went and hunted with. And um, when I went uh, grouse hunting up in Maine in November, I'm finishing up the review for them. Okay. And then uh, where can people find your stories at, just so you can yeah, so, plug that information? Um, it's thehuntingtraveler.com. Uh, traveler with two L's. So same thing as my Instagram hunting, the hunting traveler. Um, and then I think it's, it's in your Instagram too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The links on there as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. So be sure to listeners, be sure to check his stories out. They're pretty good. I appreciate I haven't it. had a chance to read them all of them, but I've read a couple. So going with traveling a lot since you're in Indianapolis, your travel was anybody <laughs> that follows you knows that you're always delayed or always yeah. driving somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like we were talking about earlier, man. It's, it's, it's rough. Um, I mean, travel always kind of sucks because you're people think that when you travel for work, it's like this romantic, Oh, that's so awesome. You get to see different places. And I'm like, no, I don't. I, I literally leave the hotel. I go to work. I go back to the hotel. Occasionally I'll go out to dinner. Or, you know, if I'm in a, you know, I'm in the indie. So, you know, I've been to a couple of Colts games and stuff like that, but most of the time I'm too tired. So I just go back to the hotel room. So yeah, it's uh it's always been kind of a pain, but the last god six months, man, it's it's 50-50 on if my flight's leaving on time. So most of the time I get screwed and I gotta drive somewhere. Um is that just due to weather lately or um uh, everything between weather and like we were saying before, um the airlines are so understaffed that they just don't have enough um people to fill in the, the empty flights. So yeah, I mean, if your if your flight gets delayed in Denver, then you don't you don't go because they don't have a new yeah. crew to fill that. And I just have terrible luck. I mean, so we have about forty yeah. guys in the field that do what I do, and they get delayed too. But I guess I have the worst of all of them. So I guess about five months ago, I just started. I mean, you have to laugh, so there's nothing you can do about it. So I just yeah. started posting on my stories about you know all the crazy we reasons we get delayed. Apparently there's a big fire in Charlotte airport today. Um, 
yeah, they actually evacuated the airport for a little bit. So uh, my cousin, she was supposed to fly to Charlotte and couldn't because, you know, there was a fire. One time I was in Detroit airport and a water main blew. Oh, so the whole airport had no water. All the, yeah, all the bathrooms were shut down. And I'm like, if all the bathrooms are shut down, you know, if you got to go use it, like, where are you going to go? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's always interesting. That's for sure. To, do you all do you fly out of one specific airline for work then or uh no i do about 50 50 between delta and american um delta used to be my favorite and then um they kind of went downhill the last couple of weeks so now they're now i'm just equally uh angry at all of them so you spent a lot of time in the airport where's the best food you've ever had in um, the airport man honestly so I'm a simple guy. Typically, I go in the shop. I get a thing of beef jerky and maybe a water. Pork rinds are here, too. It, some of the airports have pork rinds. Not all of them do. Um, so there, there are some that don't carry them. Um, on top of that, there is in Charlotte E-Terminal, Whiskey River. I got to be very good friends with the bartenders there. So it's gotten to the point now that I can text them and I can say, hey, I'm on my way. And they'll, they'll save me a seat at the bar. Um <laughs> If I if I had to choose one, I would say Whiskey River in E Terminal in Charlotte Airport. I guess I probably will never be in Charlotte. But <laughs> anybody's there checking out? Yeah, you gotta go there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had quite the discussion the other day about food, mm-hmm. about chi- about chicken nuggets. Because oh yeah, yeah, if anybody else is uh, follows you, you're always picking up McDonald's chicken nuggets. It's um. And- <laughs> It's the easiest, it's it's the best road snack. You know, they're there. Um, Traveler has developed an affinity and a taste for chicken nuggets and pork rinds. So, yeah, I think we were, we were having an argument back and forth, if I remember correctly, on which nuggets were best, right? Oh, I said I'd, I'd go Chick-fil-A. And and you said you did say you like Chick-fil-A, but so, you also said you don't eat any sauce. Or you did, Yeah, well. You, one trip, <laughs> one trip. Well, yeah, I, I admitted to you that time I uh, bought the catered Chick-fil-A tray and put that in the passenger seat and drove home from Pennsylvania just eating that the whole way. And what, what was it, 120 nuggets? or 100? That's what you said, yeah, yeah. But I've never heard somebody say it's the Lord's chicken. It doesn't need, <laughs> it doesn't need any sauce. I get I get hungry and thing, and you know, I can't drive and eat sauce, so I was just uh, oh. down away. Oh, no, um, I get that. I say I get hungry, and it's like, oh, oh for me, it's candy. So it's like, oh. Well, I got no. candy with me. <laughs> Chick Fil A is always good. The problem with Chick Fil A is it's not always there. You know, they close at ten right. on Sundays. McDonald's. Oh, I always want them on Sundays, so that's oh, the problem. Of yeah, um, McDonald's is damn near almost always open, so they're they're there yeah. the whenever you need them. And you can probably get twenty nuggets for three dollars or four dollars. Yeah, I, I don't know what they cost. Good. Yeah. Occasionally, I'll go Wendy's, though. Wendy's has some good nuggets. Wendy's does have good nuggets. I'll agree with you on that I mean, one. The especially this... Burger King. Burger King is like... Yeah, I don't get nuggets from Burger King. I'm not a huge nugget guy, so... Well, Burger King nuggets are 20 for a dollar, so that tells you something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one with the chicken fingers? Or... Yeah, they're like the long skinny ones. They're not good. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> yeah, I think you can get those from a grocery store as well. But... Right. Well, McDonald's. I didn't even know you said McDonald's had spicy nuggets. I didn't even know they had that. They did, and actually, I had them in uh, South Dakota. This is a year or two ago when they tried them. I don't think they did very well because they, they don't have many more. But I said I've had a spicy chicken sandwich. That's good. That's true, but 
Wendy's has a beat on both the spicy chickens. Oh, yeah. On the nuggets? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All day long. Yeah. Then you throw a little bit of ranch in there. Is, is well, ranch big out there in the... In, in oh, yeah. If you're not putting ranch on anything, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> That's fair. Ranch or hot sauce, you can't go wrong. But yeah, you've been to North Dakota, North Dakota a couple of times. We talked to you the one night you're at one of you're in Underwood where Michael teaches. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a, I have a client out there, and I've gone out there to hunt probably past five or six years uh, for duck hunting, and then past two years I've been out there for for pheasants. So okay. um, who do you go with when you go pheasant hunting? Um, a friend of mine. So when we start going out there duck hunting. We just went with ourselves, uh, just freelanced it. um, We kind of end up in a different city just about every year. We just go wherever we can find birds. Um, And then when I was coming home two years ago, I never talked to him really on Facebook. And he said, you know, I posted that I was leaving North Dakota and heading back home. He saw I had a Boykin and said, hey, man, you next time you're coming out here, let me know. We can put you on some some upland birds. I said, okay. So about a month later, I had a bunch of days open from work, so I just packed up the truck and traveler, and I drove back out there, and um, I met up with his friend and hunted with him for a little bit. Uh, we headed off, so they invited me. After my two weeks of duck hunting this year, they invited me to pheasant hunt with them for a week. Um, nice. His family's from um, Dickey, so he's got some old family land and farmland. So Okay. Yeah. Some private land. Yeah, very nice. That's nice. <laughs> how's how's the duck hunting when you're in North Dakota? Um, it's unbelievable, uh, especially compared to Virginia. I mean, my my any, any goose hunting too as well. Uh, we did maybe two days of field hunting for geese. Um, I mean, the, the whole field hunting thing is just new to us. You know, yeah. East Coast, East Coast, you don't do it unless you're like goose hunting in Pennsylvania. But as far as like Virginia, very rarely we hunt in fields. So we were still trying to figure that out. Uh, we hunted with a farmer. We were like, Hey, you know, we can hunt, can we hunt that slough down there? And he was like, yeah, if you don't mind, like can I hunt with you guys? And we were like, yeah, sure. And um, he said, yeah, I've never hunted water before. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Never hunted water. I'm like, I've, you know, I hadn't hunted a field till I came out here six years ago. So yeah, it's, I mean, traveler got more birds in his mouth in two weeks and he'll get in 10 years of Virginia. I say yeah, some of the waterfall hunting North Dakota's world class. So. Oh yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, even just seeing that many birds makes the trip yeah. worth it. One where thing, where, yeah. where so Dickey's in southeast southeast. Uh, uh, yes, yes, North Dakota. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was um, we had what I guess three or four setters. Oh, I mean, geez. three three pointers and and two boykins out there, but. Yeah, man, I mean, it's just different. Um, I, I've said it to a few people. My first experience going out there and, and hunting you know, wild pheasants, um, obviously in Virginia, we don't have wild pheasants. I mean, we have some quail and, and woodcock. But you know, I was expecting hunting prairies and, and prairie grass. Yeah. And No, it was not. It was hunting cattails and sloughs and just trudging through that crap. And um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, but it was, I mean... We, we did very, very well. Uh, I forgot the total, but um, no, we didn't limit every day, but we probably saw enough that we could have limited every day. There was uh, four of us hunting. And so, yeah, one, it was 
one of our buddies, it's his, a lot of his family land. And then, um, you know, Patrick, we, we call him camp mom. He brought the RV and <laughs> he, he does a lot of the cooking and uh, telling us not to drink so much and waking us up in the morning. And then, um, you know, we had Uriah. Um, so that's the one nice thing about pheasant. You don't have to, Oh, it's eight o'clock. Oh, well, might as yeah. well get out of bed, I guess. But yeah, after, after two weeks of, uh, waterfowl hunting and then scouting every day and doing that then i met up with them to pheasant hunt for the week and one of them said it like you know by day three or four like oh my god i'm beat and he kind of looked at me and was like i know you're tired i was like oh i'm <laughs> i'm run ragged um but man it was a hell of a trip uh to be out there basically for a whole month and just get birds under traveler i mean he's three years was that old your, okay that's your, i was just gonna yeah. ask that was that's your youngest one yeah yeah um my older ones retired, but um, yeah, getting getting traveler just to see that many birds. I mean, I can't. Uh, that would take years in Virginia to do. So um, it was a great experience, you know. Yeah. So you mentioned you had boykins. Why did you choose the boykins? So I mean, they're they're. I went to college in South Carolina. Uh, my dad's. Okay. Some of his family's from South Carolina. It is the state dog of South Carolina. Oh, it is. Um, oh yeah, even so much that. Uh, September 1st is a state holiday. It's national, it's a state Boykin Spaniel day, um, which is also coincides with the opening day of dove season. Um, but, um, you know, when I was looking at getting a dog right out of college, um, you know, I, I just gravitated to the Boykin. My dad's had him since I think he got his first one in 79. Um, and we've had him ever since. I mean, great family pets. Um, they can do, Besides the, you know, sea duck hunting that I do, um, they can do everything that I need. You know, they're pretty versatile. They can, like I said, do duck hunting in North Dakota. They can pheasant hunt. They can flush woodcock, flush quail. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Project Upland video maybe about a month or two ago where, um, God, their name's escaping me now, but they use their Boykin for turkey hunting. And actually, that was one of the reasons why they docked their tails was they would send the Boykin in to break up the, the flock of the brood. And then the hunter could call you know, Tom back to him and shoot it. And so <laughs> they docked the tail cause they didn't want the Boykin's tail, you know, just like a cocker, their tail goes a mile a minute and they didn't want it mess with all the leaves on the ground in the fall. So they docked the tail. So yeah, I mean, they, they're super versatile guys using them for deer tracking guys shed hunt with them. Um, it is bred to be a specific flusher. It is not supposed to point. But uh, yeah, I mean they're they're they still got the spaniel ADD, which I'm sure you know about. You know, it's, yep. uh, but but that makes it fun. You know, you, you don't know what you're gonna get that day. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got them. Um, you know, I remember duck hunting out of the boat with my buddy and Traveler would jump off the boat, go get the duck, and come back. And I could easily just lean over the boat and pick him right back up and put him in the boat. Yeah. A couple weekends later, we're hunting with his lab, and there's no doing that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's nice. Um, are they as fast so as a lab? Um, no, they don't mature as fast as a lab. But you know, it gives them personality. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's what I was raised with. And I, I did think about getting other breeds. You know, I looked at some of the German versatile breeds. Um, I I think they're they're cool. But I know Boykins. I like the personalities in them. So that's why I started with them. And so you, you got two good looking dogs. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh, why I like. I don't, I wouldn't like to have to take out the burrs, but. Oh God. Yeah. Those are, um, <laughs> many a beer has been drank over a dog covered in burrs. 
I got a tip Probably. from a guy, an older guy. He had a Boykin. Yeah. Yeah, when we were in Harvey this past year hunting. Mm-hmm. And he said, because Michael was out picking burrs while we were all, he came over right. to the fire, was drinking beers with us. And and he's like, oh, what's he doing? I was like, oh, he's picking burrs out of his dog's ears and <laughs> and that. And he goes, well, I used to have a Boykin and I used to use a letter opener. Ooh. He's like, it's it's sharp enough to get well, it out of there, but the it's not going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, I always use a letter opener. So, so yeah, the um, interesting cowboy magic and Shoshin are my friends, uh, especially like waterfowl hunting. I don't worry about too much, but upland hunting, I douse traveler in that. And so the burrs will still stick to them, but they pull out a lot easier. So, um, I put a lightweight game hide orange vest on them, a for visibility, but really just to protect him from the burrs. That way, I only have to worry about his ears and his legs. Um, so that might be something for, you know, the cocker owners out there. So we'll plug one of our sponsors here. You can get a Kuga vest and, uh, Michael's got a really, well, I don't know how big your dogs are, but Michael's got a 25 pound dog. Yep. She's 25. Okay. And yeah, the extra small fit here, like super good. Okay. That's what Michael said. So yeah. Traveler, he's just towards the upper range he's 42 pounds uh, a big boy can male 45 um there are some that will push 50 because um, there is some chessy in the breed so some of them you know and, and that one my dad had one that was big and man that dog was so stubborn like a chessy um you could you could shoot a duck 10 yards from the blind and he's like i'm not touching that damn thing but then if you shot a goose at a hundred yards, he was all about it and he was taking that goose out. I mean, he had like a Napoleon complex with him, but uh, yeah, there's, I mean, that's the thing with the breed. The breed really is a mutt. They only made the breed standards in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and that's when the Boykin Spaniel Society was formed and, you know, made the standards and all that. And then, um, you know, we weren't AKC registered until early to mid two thousands. They didn't kind of what we were talking about before, you know, they didn't want to happen what happened to the cocker where people love the cocker. It's a great pet. They're cute. They're cuddly. And then it moved the cocker away from a field dog. Right. Yeah. And we kind of talked about it before the podcast where now there's cockers getting more popular and you're starting to see them in the field more, which is great. Unfortunately, I'm seeing that with the Boykin now where it's getting super popular. Like 10 years ago, if I took my Boykin anywhere, they didn't know what the hell it was. Like people just didn't know. Now people are recognizing them, which is cool, but at the same time, they can get too popular for their own good. Um, so that's why we didn't want to be AKC registered because we didn't want to do dog shows and we wanted to keep it a, a purely hunting breed. But, you know, as long as people breed healthy and do the tests, then it's okay, I guess. But Yes, I got my German short hair two and a half years ago now, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a German short hair, never had one before. And after getting one, it's like, holy crap, these dogs are really popular. I've never, yeah. I was like, I, I had labs growing up. Actually, we had one Chessie too, but mm-hmm. he was kind of a box of rocks. So <laughs> there's Chessies, man. They're, I feel like Chessies are like hit or miss. They're either like rock stars or it's like, nah. <laughs> he, he always wanted to run. It was a male, big male. He always wanted to run to the neighbor's yard because they always had female labs. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> that's that's actually where it ended up, actually, because his parents moved to town and he was a runner. So 
Why GSPs? Why GSP? I guess my fiance likes the look of them. And yeah, that's a fair answer. <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> uh, we we honestly, well, we weren't we weren't engaged at the time, so I was looking at getting a dog. I just was finishing up my. I was interning, and I was like, well. Wouldn't mind getting a dog. My cousin was having, she had her uh, GSP and they brought it to a, I don't know, some G, other GSP. Anyway, he was a pretty good hunting dog that I heard. And they uh, asked if we want to want one. And I was like, well, yeah, come by and like, take a look. And I'm like, interested because my brother was getting one too. And my brother was still in high school, but he, uh, end up getting one and we went we actually went and looked and we picked out this girl and she was really pretty she had no she had like no like brown spots on her like my dog has that was just all ticking mm-hmm. and the breeder the stud got first pick well he took that one so right. i had to go back again and pick so i wasn't even planning on getting a girl or wasn't planning on getting a boy we ended up getting a boy Riggs. he was kind of the big one of the group and he still tries to assert his dominance. No, he's kind of a, he's a big meanie sometimes. So now, I, sorry, Michael. I, now I've had one, I guess. And I don't think I could ever go back. I've never had to, never pulled a tick off of him. I've never pulled a burr. I've just pulled cactus off of him. Yeah. Can't complain about that. <laughs> no, it saves me some time. When Mike, I'm drinking beer and Michael's uh, taking burrs off his dog. Yeah, we had a we had a day like that in North Dakota where Ryan, the, the other guy that has a boykin, he and I went to the uh, the shed and we're drinking beer, picking off burgers while the other two guys were hanging out in the RV, you know, watching the office and eating and drinking and hanging out. So I I, I know the pain, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet. Let's see, your dog's got some curly hair on. It looks like. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But it, you know, it keeps them warm. Uh, waterfowl hunting, so that's that's why I don't shave it or anything like that. So. So now we've kind of talked about dogs a little bit let's get back into almost your hunting where do you all hunt uh let's see so this year um obviously virginia uh north carolina south carolina then we went up to maine for rough grouse we went to um kansas for quail and roosters north dakota for quail and roosters and ducks iowa for roosters and Wisconsin for uh, rough grouse and woodcock. That was this year. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we put some miles on the truck, that's for sure. Out of those, which, what, what would you say would be greatest time, I guess you could say? Or what was your favorite, basically? So that's a toss-up. Um, you know, there, there was one day in North Dakota um, where we set up on this really small pothole. And um, it was one of those days, it was you know clear day. And, you know, you know, those days where it's super bright before shooting light and you can, you know, ducks are just piling in nonstop. Um, it was one of those days. And so this was Traveler's first time going out in North Dakota for ducks. And so, you know, I had him sit next to me and, man, I, I have videos of ducks landing, you know, 10, 12 feet from us swimming around and he didn't make a peep. He didn't budge. He didn't whine. He didn't cry. Um, it was a perfect setup. He could. His, his casting, it'll get better this year. His, his blind work need, needs, you know, work on it. But probably 99% of the ducks we shot that day were marked retrieves. So it was just a perfect setup. So that that day was was probably the coolest as far as 
watching Traveler work where you know, very rarely did actually really not only once when we were actually picking up decoys did we actually have to get up and go pick up ducks and there was seven or eight of us that day and we all limited out so yeah i mean it was just it was just a perfect day we shot a band that day traveler got his first band i didn't know it know it he went out picked up a duck and i sent him right back out and i was just throwing the ducks in a pile behind me and um later on my buddy's looking he's like hey there's a band here i was like oh hell so you know um, that was a cool day but then kind of the other one that that's probably the best was um the first flush that he got on a rough grouse and, you know, I was slow to get my gun up, shot into it. It went into the tree line. And I just figured I missed it and travel ran into the woods and I gave him about 30 seconds. Then he came out with a rough grouse. And so that was the first one we shot. And that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, never seen one in person. That was the first one I ever seen in person. Um, he flushed it perfect and retrieved it right to hand. So th- those were two of my, my favorite memories this year for sure. Really good eating bird too. Yeah, yeah. I did save one for the wall, and the rest, you know, we ate. I say I have yet to. I haven't saved one for the wall. I uh, not a roughie, but I haven't saved any birds besides this turkey behind me. But I got you guys end up uh, deciding who got to keep the band. Um, so on the trailer door is the chain. So any bands that we shoot as a group, we put on the chain. Okay. Um, so and I mean, unless it's like you know, it just happens to come in on the left side and only the guy on the left shot but yeah i think I mean, it's kind of astonishing all the years we've been north dakota i think we've only shot two bands out there oh really yeah i mean only two i mean shoot i've only shot two in my whole entire lifetime and i've been duck hunting since i was seven so one one goose and one mallard and that's it or i'm sorry one goose and one gadwall that's it so no neck bands either nope never shot a neck band were you guys mainly shooting yeah. mallards then there or we are not picky. <laughs> um, again, come from Virginia, you know, if you shoot a couple of ducks, it's it's a good day. So, I mean, it's cool when you see piles of just green heads. That, that is cool. But to me, the, the cooler days are when you're hunting and you know, there was one day we shot like 11 different species out of one slew. I mean, it was like canvasback, redhead, uh, bufflehead, then a, then a green teal. I mean, um, bluebills. I mean, we shot everything. Um, so that was just cool because you'd look up and you just didn't know what was coming in until they got close. You're like, oh, widget, shoot it. And, you know, get wall, shoot it. And so, um, yeah, we are not uh, picky about or stingy about it. We're equal opportunity shooters. How about that? We'll, we'll, we'll say that. I was talking to you earlier on Instagram and you, ne- you said you've never hunted like Western North Dakota. No, I've never made it out, out West. Uh, but you've been to Underwood, so... Yes. We'll have to change. We'll have to change that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it it's become now my goal is, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I want to shoot birds, but it has become get traveler on as many birds as I can, um, in as many different states. Um, have you got traveler on Huns and Sharpies yet? Well, uh, my buddy Patrick, aka Camp Mom, is going to get mad at me for this, but out in North Dakota this year. Um, Mazzy Uriah's pointer uh, got skunked, and so you know I don't I don't mess with them. I don't know much about. I mean I know what a skunk is, but I don't know how to recognize yeah. that it was a skunk in there. And so later that day, I was like, "Hey, how'd you guys know that it was a skunk?" And um, obviously, they could smell it, but they said when they were in there, nothing got up. That's how they knew. I said, "Okay, cool." So next day, Ryan and Uriah were on our far right. Me and Patrick were 
walking along this um, old train track and uh, Traveler bolted off to my right and kind of went into this bush and nothing really got out right at first. I'm like, oh, that's gotta be a skunk. So I walked over there. As soon as I got up there, Traveler jumped in and this bird gets up in front of me. And I said, hen, uh, that's not a hen. I put my gun up real quick. And then Patrick went, hen, hen, hen. So I put my gun down. Well, then Uriah and Ryan came over. I was like, why didn't you shoot? And I'm like, um, Patrick said it was a hen. And I don't know. I've never seen a Sharpie before. And they're like, oh, dude, that was a sharp tail. I'm like, oh, son of a... I mean, it was all love five feet in front of me. I probably would have missed anyways. But uh, <laughs> so that was the only Sharpie that we potentially could have had a shot at. And I was like, man, because everything I've heard about Sharpies is they they're tougher to get up on um and that, that not could be- not early late in the season yeah yeah okay uh, early in the early in the season they're really actually really fun because they hold really tight so. oh really okay yeah and say so your dog can or oh west my dog was able to get like right on top of them that's awesome yeah yeah that was uh that was, our, that was our chance to get a sharpie and man i just watched that thing fly away thinking it was a hen yeah well, that's what my brother too, because his first year doing it, he was like, "How am I gonna know?" And I was like, "Well, you know, when they laugh at you, when they get up." So I I didn't hear that. All I knew because it got up like right in front of me, and flew straight away. Is at first I saw the coloring and I was like, "Oh, it's a hen." Yeah. And I've I've only hunted wild roosters for two years, so I'm like, "All right, that's a hen." Yeah. You know, that's my first instinct, and then I looked at it for a split second. I said, "That's not a that's something else." So I put my gun up, and then that's when Patrick was like, "No, it's a hen, hen, hen." So, um, yeah, we. we I, I can give Patrick a hard time for that one. So <laughs> we'll have to try to get you out on Huns or I guess you've shot quails. I guess we don't mm-hmm. have quail, but they're probably the most similar thing we have to okay. quail. Because they, they get up in the they get up like big a covey. Yeah, yeah. Big I mean, covey that, and like that'll scare the hell out of you, right? <laughs> yeah. You get right on top of them, your dog uh-huh. goes on point, or your dog jumps in on them and they just poof, all over the place. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, it's they're really fun. There's something about that covey rise. I mean, I, it's cool seeing a rooster get up and, and hearing a cackle, but man, those covey rises are, especially when you try yeah. to pick a bird, just pick one and, and focus yeah. on it. That's, 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 that's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, the Sharpies are kind of like they do, they're like smaller coveys right away early in the season, but then as the season gets later, they kind of like winter up and start. Right. Makes sense. There could yeah. be like 40 plus birds in a covey. <laughs> you, and you're probably not going to get close to them anyway so right. i say you probably like uh walking for sharpies because they're not in the same material uh, they're in the prairie like you first yeah. talked about right you're walking stuff that's like ankle high yeah that, above that the I've ankle <laughs> it's really nice <laughs> it's really nice walking because usually your sharpies aren't in the same they're probably in the, like the fence rows or whatever mm-hmm. that you find uh pheasants in too but most of the walking is pretty easy. That's probably why I enjoy it. But yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. No, I don't like busting cattails, but <laughs> it gets I have my point. going, man. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the hip flexors are screwed from baseball. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then having a pointer in cattails, too, where I hunt in eastern North Dakota, uh, busting cattails most of the time anyway, late in the season. And then I lose him because I don't have a my investment this summer is a is a new garmin yeah that's what um uh, ryan and uh uriah were running on their pointers i think they had the 100s the alphas and i mean they're they're, they're great um 
yeah, and that's what, so Ryan lives in Iowa, but does a lot of pheasant hunting in, in North Dakota. And that's why he actually went with a Boykin was in his mind, the Boykin can, and this is true, they can slip in and out of those cattails, just like a cocker can. Whereas, you know, a big old lab is just trying to power through and it's just going to yeah. wear the dog down. Whereas cocker, Boykin, those slews, they can just slip in and, and go down those, um, those cattails much easier because they're just going under them. Yeah. So I've noticed that with my skinny German short hair too. They can cut through them mm-hmm. better than a lab can because the lab just just plows just, them over. Just a bulldozer, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of nice for bulldozers sometimes. Though. Oh no, I, I like <laughs> yeah. it when they go in front of you and then you can just walk behind them. That's that's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done that plenty. But no, we'll definitely have to try to get you out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. fall. That'd be that'd be great. Sharpies might be tough if you're back here in October, but we'll probably still get on them. We got on them. There were shot quite a few actually, Ugh. middle of October to end of October. So okay, I was all in Southwest North Dakota though. Uh, you know, we have dog will travel. You know, just tell us where to go, when to be there, and travel, and I will show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you got the time, we're usually planning trips. So yeah, if you want to shoot all, if you want to shoot all three species in one day and possibly shoot some snows, there's another spot we can probably. Yeah, you guys were talking about that one the other podcast, man. That's that's cool. Is you know when you get that variety. Um, I'll send I'll send you a video right now with, of the we just we shot our limit of pheasants and huns. Mm-hmm. We didn't really travel for the sharpies anymore, but we're just driving around and there was snow geese all over in this pond, just still like landing, circling. So since you said you kind of have watched a couple of our podcasts, watched, <laughs> listened to a couple of our podcasts in the past, probably familiar with what we do kind of near the end here. Can I mm-hmm. ask you some rapid fire questions? Now, like it is before, you don't have to answer it extremely fast with one question. You can explain as much as you want. And there can even be some side convos in there. So don't worry about taking too much time with these rapid fire questions. All right. So the first one we got for you is uh, what is your favorite upland bird to hunt? And then what is your favorite waterfowl to hunt? Ooh, all right. Upland bird. Um, I mean, the woodcock is cool because they're just a, I think even Chris said this too, Chris Ingram on your, on your last one. And they're just a strange, weird bird. Like they're, they're an upland bird that shouldn't be where it is um, and shouldn't live where it is. Um, obviously they're, they're conducive to a dog and you know, they're, they hold tight. They're just strange, but honestly, I think I, I'd probably go pheasant just cause you know, when they get up and cackle, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where if traveler hears a cackle on the TV, his ears perk up. I mean, he'll do it a little bit for mallards, but when he hears that cackle, I mean, I, I think he figures that the damn bird is teasing him. So he gets pissed off, but, uh, yeah, yeah I'd have to say for, for upland birds, um, you know, roosters, uh, waterfowl. And we shoot a lot of wood ducks. Um, I love a widgeon. The colors on a widgeon are, the, you know, the ball plate and the cotton top. That, that's just pretty to me. Um, so, yeah, I probably have to go widgeon as far as waterfowl. So, next question. This one's probably pretty obvious. Favorite dog breed? <laughs> uh, definitely the Boykin, you know, uh, for yeah. better or for worse. Um, they got a lot of personality. Uh just like any other dog, but especially spaniels, you know, they just, they want to make you happy. Uh, they want to please you. So, um, and I, you know, like I said, like I, they're good pets. I mean, shoot travelers. He's been with all different hotels with me. I mean, basically lived in the truck with me for a month, two months and did well. The size is nice. It's not too small, but it's not too big. They can do just about everything a lab can do. Maybe a little bit slower, um, but they're just as versatile. So yeah, definitely Boykin. What's a close second 
Um, I mean, I did, I did enjoy, I've hunted over a couple, a couple good GSPs. If I was to get a pointer, I might go Brittany because I just call them the weird looking pointing Poikin that, uh, you know, they have a very similar. Thank, um, that's sad. I like, I like the look of the Brittany's. I, I kind of wanted one actually, but you know, fiance, it, it, I don't think the fiance wanted one. So, right. Yeah. I mean, if I had a good pointer, I mean, I think also I'm a, the, the guy that trains travelers since I'm never home, you know, he, he calls me a glutton for punishment, uh, you know, having the Boykins cause he trains labs and he, and he breeds labs. Yeah. And, yeah. He's like, man, you're, you, you just like this punishment with these spaniels, but you know, <laughs> it gives me something, you know, something different. Question number three, what's your best hunting memory? Oh man. Um, God, can, we can, we can split it up upland and waterfalls. Yeah. So you can, I mean, so, so far for upland, definitely travelers, you know, first rough grouse, we went up there in November. Like I said, I never hunted rough grouse. I've read about them, never seen one in person. Wasn't guided. It was just us you know, going up there and trying to figure it out. So yeah, that was, that one will probably stick with me for, or for a long time. Probably favorite hunting memory might be my dad's first canvas back. My dad had duck hunted for 30, 40 years and just had never killed a can. And then um, we used to get them pretty well in Virginia. And so my buddies and I took my dad out and, yeah, he was able to harvest his first one and got some pictures of him and stuff like that. So um, that was that was probably pretty cool. I mean, he, he'd been hunting for 30, 40 years before killing one. So probably that, being with him with the, for, for that experience. So the fourth question we have for you here is, uh, what's the favorite place that you have ever traveled to hunt? Definitely, definitely got to be North Dakota. I mean, um, showing some love for us. Yeah, you guys just, you know, I'll never forget the, the first day I went there. There was like a pair of mallards coming at us low, and um, my buddy had been there the year before, and so, you know, he was looking up, calling out a flock, and um, I said, Shane, you know, look at those two birds coming at us. He said, screw those birds, look up. I said, man, them, those birds aren't coming down. There ain't no way, and he hit them with a hail call, and they just cycloned down, and I was like, oh, God, this is different than back home, you know, because back, back home, the worst thing you can do is touch a duck call in Virginia. You touch a duck call, they're going the other way. It's not like Arkansas where you got to stay on them. It's don't blow your duck hole. Like don't. So yeah, it's a, it was, it was a eye-opening experience than just to see that many birds. I mean, plus y'all's landscape is just beautiful too. So definitely North Dakota. It's even better as you go West. But <laughs> That's what I've heard. I, was like, I've heard. So. I say I live on the Eastern side and so it's just flat. You can watch your dog run away for, that's that gsp just gone you know yeah yeah pretty much especially a young one he's here there and gone but yeah and plus we have bush light so yeah it's for the farmers man that's that's our go-to drink when we found out that y'all have bush light on tap we thought we were in heaven (laughs) we're like y'all have it on tap what we're like oh this is yeah this is our spot yeah well, then they make apple one too in the summer. So really, yeah, we, just we, we get the canned ones, man. When that first came out, you couldn't find it anywhere back home. Everyone was buying it. Yeah, you could not find it. I mean, it was like a well, golden ticket. My fiance's parents have a lake place, so on the weekends in the summer we go to the lake. Well, bushlight apples, kind of a nice one to drink at the lake, sitting on yeah. the pontoon. Yeah, so it's a it's a good fishing beer. That's for sure. It's nice and light. Well, I don't fish. I just sit and drink. But <laughs> that just go hand in hand. Yeah, we. I go ice fishing. Okay. I still drink then too. But 
I don't know if you've ever been, but something you know, should try. The first time I went out west for work and I saw y'all crazy Midwesterners with your trucks <laughs> and RVs on the ice. You know, <laughs> me being a Southern guy, I'm like, the hell are these guys doing? Like, this, that's the actual truck on the ice. And you know, I'm talking to people, they're like, well, at least it's as long as it's, you know, this many inches thick, you're good to go. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good, buddy. Like, I'm not driving my truck on that. <laughs> y'all are, yeah, it's, it's cool. I've never done it, but, you know, I, I liked it at some point. So I was at Lake Low Woods beginning of January and there was like over two feet of ice on the God. I mean it's yeah it's crazy. And you're like, oh well, I'm, I'm pretty safe. Yeah, that's that, well, I don't, we don't yeah. get that. Probably don't get as cold as we do either. So no, no. Uh I remember was it this year? No, last year. We pulled up when I think it was last year. We we called it a blizzard. Um, and then I talked to some guys in Minot about it. I think it was last year before last. It was early or mid-October. Actually, it was first week of October, I think. And y'all, at least where we were, eastern part of the state, got only two or three feet, like, quick. I mean, I have pictures. I'll send these pictures, and I'll look at the dates. But I remember I was, we thought it was a blizzard. It was heavy winds. I mean, y'all always have that 30-mile-an-hour wind, but it was like 50, 60. Yeah. And um, I guess I was talking to someone, and I was like, yeah, you know, I called it a blizzard. I don't know if it was a blizzard. And he was like, when was it? And I told him, he goes, oh, yeah, that was a blizzard. And I was like, yeah, it was, uh, you know, our dumb southern tails were hunting in it. And it did well, <laughs> but, yeah, probably shouldn't have been out there. You know? I like, well, we've definitely done that. I know I have. I don't know about Michael, but That's we hunted in. ducks. Yeah, yeah. We hunted Sharpies in a downpour last year. So, Did they fly when it's raining? Well, if, well, we didn't find any Sharpies, but found a bunch of pheasants and they were flying. Mm, okay. It was my, Michael's dog had his uh, I love birds moment and took off on him. Oh yeah, he, he it went, was just it was it was pheasant, it was like popcorn flush pheasant after pheasant and she's just we call it going primal. <laughs> like you know what I'm doing this myself and they're gone. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> the second like hard thing was is like they had like a third I think they had like a really late third hatch with their pheasants because it was so okay. dry. Some of the pheasants were basically the size of Hungarian partridge, so it was like it was tough. Like, wow. to tell right right especially it was pouring rain so we're like oh shoot <laughs> no not a not then a hand would get up right next to him like oh no Ryan. all right but this question we got for you uh what are you looking forward to most in the 2022 seasons um i think i mean we're gonna do a lot of trips we're going back to maine uh, obviously we're going back to north dakota um there is talk of us trying to go out to wyoming for sage grouse so, yeah, I think Wyoming, I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I mean, not to sound corny or cliche, but, you know, just, just getting traveler out there more. You know, I got some invites for Pennsylvania rough grouse. A couple of my buddies went to New Mexico this year. I didn't make it out there this year with them. Um, but, yeah, just getting traveler on different trips. I mean, that's, like I said, my goal is just to, you know, I'm not one of those guys where I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, harvest every bird. I just want – to get more experiences with him and more stories and meet more people. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the goal. And then just hopefully seeing the sage grouse. I think they're pretty cool looking. So that'd be a pretty fun bird to shoot. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd also I, be really like heartbreaking too, if you went out there and didn't shoot anything <laughs> or didn't see anything either. You know, that was, um, that was my biggest worry going after the rough grouse in Maine. I mean, I know they're pretty thick up there, but again, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never hunted them. I've never, yeah. I was, I was by myself. Well, my girlfriend was with me, but that was it. And, um, 
yeah, so going up there was my biggest worry was just you know, not not even necessarily shooting one, but will I at least find one that Traveler can flush? And, you know, yeah. within 30 minutes we did that, so kind of the pressure was off, so that was cool. Yeah. So. But that is a yeah. far drive from Virginia to Wyoming. That's 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 gonna be a whole. Yeah, that would. It's only twelve hours for us, so that must be nice. <laughs> but like the place we were looking at going chuck hunting, I think there's only like, when I talked to a few people, there's like not many other places where they're like thick, mm-hmm. they're like north central. So basically, we'd be coming on the north end anyway. So, but would yeah. like to. I so said we plan. I think I guess we're trying to go to montana early season so okay. I never had but i don't they have a lot of sharpies and huns and pheasants i've heard so yep but and a lot of rattlesnakes but <laughs> yeah i don't i don't want to mess with them at all have you guys done snake aversion training with the dogs no well we don't have any around where we hunt oh, so okay. okay because by the time like there is something in western north dakota like where i hunt pheasants like we go there with my family in southwest north dakota but by the time i go there in middle of october it's usually cold enough we had a few cold nights that they're right down they've gone away so okay. i've never seen one actually i, I hate snakes i'll yeah. scream at a gardener snake so <laughs> all right so the final question that we have for you today is what shotgun are you shooting now and kind of a two-part question. What's one shotgun that you have on your wish list? So my duck hunting gun is uh, a newer Browning A5. Always like the humpback style and, and bought that a couple years ago. And I'm not the most religious at cleaning my, my weapon. So it has done well, uh, considering that I don't clean it well. Um, and then for upland birds, you know, I got a little traditional and, and got a uh, Stevens 555, the over and under. Um, I know you guys talked to Chris about it. Um, I went 12 gauge only because with the ammo issue, I didn't want to yeah. have to worry about buying 12 gauge for duck and then 20 or 28 for upland. So now since I'm shooting the same ammo, you know, I can, if one gun goes down, I still have a backup gun, but I got to tell you guys, man, I mean, that Stevens, even the 12 gauge is only five and a half pounds. I mean, it's just as light as the 20. Um, I can yeah. lug all day cause I'm lazy. Um, it's not too heavy. If it was in a better shooter's hands, it would shoot well, but it, it does it, it does its job. Um, so for what five six hundred bucks or something like that, you can't beat it. Yeah, I'm not worried about beating it up. Yes, yeah, so I like my that. Brother, my brother took his. Uh, he bought it on like a Friday, and then he went duck hunting Saturday morning with his twenty gauge, and he shot. I think they shot a limit of ducks. Shot a limit of ducks with his yeah, good twenty gauge Stevens. Yeah, I just expected it to kick more because it's not like it's a inertia or gas right. so i was yeah. i used it the one day and i was like oh four shot pheasant 20 gauge like late december i was like oh, i bet you this thing's gonna hurt no i freaking shot a rooster and i was like oh didn't even notice it yeah i mean when i anytime i think about the kick if i'm shooting like if i'm skeet shooting yeah i'm gonna notice it but if i'm shooting a bird i'm not thinking about that i'm not even paying it your adrenaline's going so you're not gonna feel the kick now as far as like gun that's on my wish list Again, I guess coming from my dad being traditional, old school, you know, um, one of those old school like Parker's or Elsie Smith, or, you know, I probably wouldn't even hunt with it very often, but just something, you know, you, t- you take some of those old guns and the varnish is worn off from, you know, you can see where the hunter's hands have been. Like those gun, those old guns that were taken out of the grouse, 
woods or taking on the pheasant fields. Um, I'd like to find a pretty old, like one of those fifties, uh, a fives, you know, with the, with the blue barrels and all that. I'd like to find one of those and maybe take that out once or twice. So any of those old guns, I think would be on my wish list. I saw my dream gun dream semi-automatic at pheasant fest. I like the look of like the Browning a five sweet 16. Yeah. I've shot one of those. Those are nice. Oh God. Especially if you, you do that. So I shot it in Nebraska two years ago. Cause I flew in with a buddy. We met up with a friend that we met on Facebook. And so we didn't bring our guns. We just used his and yeah, I shot the, the sweet 16 with boss and was, you know, smacking mallards at 40 yards with it. No problem. So yeah, yeah, speaking of boss, like, speaking of boss, do you shoot boss like your round or no, uh, he was, he gave me that boss. I have nothing against it guys. I okay. shoot Rio. I shoot Rio. I shoot the cheapest stuff I can find. Yeah. I mean, well, right now it's pretty much all you can yeah, find. Right, I mean, right now you got to so. shoot what you can find. But even back then, man, I was buying cases of Rio from Rogers. I think if you bought two cases, you could get for duck load. You could get, I think they're eighty five bucks a case from Rogers. Yes. I mean, you can't beat that. So no, yeah. especially back home again. We're shooting a lot of sea ducks. I don't know if you know much about sea ducks, but if you cripple it, you're going to spend another seven or eight shells trying to kill it because they snorkel or they pop up. As soon as they see that you're like looking at them or that the, the boat's nearby, they pop right on down, just like playing whack-a-mole, trying to kill them. So you're going to spend a lot of shells. So we don't want to spend a ton of dollars on a crippled sea dog. So we shoot the cheap stuff. I was say, we looked at, they, didn't, they were at Pheasant Fest, but mm-hmm. I guess we, I was the one we kind of wanted to talk to, but it was one of those booths that was like yeah. kind of busy. So yeah, I mean, their stuff is great. Um, when I have shot, it's been effective, but with, the type of shooting or type of duck hunting that I do back home. And then uh, let's just say my lack of shooting skills. I don't want to be slinging that kind of money out at a duck when I'm going to miss it. So I'll just shoot the, the, the crap stuff. As long I'm, as already sling- well, you know? I say a lot, I'm already slinging prairie storm. So I might as well. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's good stuff too, but even that's, I, I take it. I can buy it when I find it. I just buy a box. Usually yeah. there's only like a box left. I put my name in at Shields if it ever came in back in August. I haven't heard heard back since. So <laughs> they have. I, they don't have. I've never seen a box in there. So since crazy times. Yeah, uh, it's hard to find anything right now. It, but not guns. Guns are. I'm not a problem finding any guns. I like. Yeah. Now you just gotta find the ammo to be able to shoot the gun. You know. <laughs> and the, and the funds right now. I'm trying to pay for a wedding as That's well. right i did i did hear about that yeah you're you're yeah. probably a little locked up right now so. yeah i'm a little well i keep i keep telling her i was like oh maybe you can just get me the leon as a wedding gift and she's like well maybe so it's like maybe i'll get lucky and i'll get a new shotgun there you go i think that's all we got for you chris and yeah. we appreciate you coming on the show likewise guys i had fun i enjoyed it appreciate you guys bringing me on if you want to plug your information just for the listeners one more time where they can find you and where you can yeah um find your uh so instagram um the hunting traveler that's with two l's in traveler and then the website same thing the hunting traveler.com um facebook chris majet um, i'm pretty active on both because typically i'm sitting in a hotel room hanging out or sitting in an airport waiting to board a flight so um yeah if anybody's you know thinking about a boykin um hit me up. I, I, I'm not a trainer. I, I trained the first one myself, but, um, I didn't train traveler. My, my younger one, 
Um, but I know the breed pretty well. I've been around it my whole entire life. So if anybody's got any questions, um, I'd be happy to help them out or point them in the right direction to somebody who knows more than me. All right. And for our listeners, we're approaching, we're going to do a giveaway here actually pretty soon on our Instagram page. So whenever we hit 500 followers, there'll be a giveaway post. We'll be giving away a Shields gift card of, we haven't decided the amount yet, but, and then our sponsors have kicked in a little bit too. To, so whenever we do hit 500 followers on the gram, we'll be doing a giveaway. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks everybody for listening.